We are going to begin a new series, and um, it's a vision casting series. Every year, at the beginning of each year, I like to vision cast. Uh, in other words, I like to share something that helps you to focus for the rest of the year in terms of the theme that we feel or the focus that we feel the Lord wants us to emphasize throughout the year. And so for Christian Life Fellowship, this is a year of pursuing vision, but specifically for us here in Greenwich, it is a year of pursuing a vision of discipleship. Say to your neighbor, a vision of discipleship. So we feel we want to continue to emphasize discipleship. Uh, we feel that this is what the Holy Spirit is saying to us, and so we want to um, re-emphasize it again throughout the year. It's important that you and I understand what God is saying to us. Sometimes as a pastor, I'm really tempted to bring something completely different, you know, because it seems as if I'm saying the same things over and over again. But at the end of the day, you know, it's good for you to hear the same thing over and over again so that you get it. Amen. As long as it's fresh, as long as it's from the throne. It's like a mother who cooks a meal for the children. You know, there's certain foods, if, you, you know, if you've been brought up well, that will come regular in your, in your house. Certain type of food, certain types of vegetables. And sometimes the children will say, oh, can we have something different? And what they mean is, can we have junk food? <laughs> you know, but... Uh, Junk food, like um, Hidden Man said, junk food's not good for the, the body. Junk food's not good for the mind, mind, mind. <laughs> Junk's lyrics or something, you know. Didn't even say it right. All right, if your Bibles turn with me to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14, verses 25 to 27. <laughs> Luke 14, 25 to 27. We are going to talk about the call to discipleship. The call to discipleship. I'm writing a book on this, the call to discipleship. So hopefully by the end of this year, it will be done. Anyway, there's a little plug there, so get it ready. Okay. Luke chapter 14, verses 25 to 27. Now, great multitudes went with him. And he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life, also he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Now, many of you have heard me share on this, but I want to repeat a few things. The first thing I want to ask you is this. Are you among the multitudes who follow Jesus because of what they can get. These multitudes were following Jesus because they saw his miracles. They saw what he could do. And they were attracted to the signs and the wonders and what Jesus could do for them. And this is a consumer mentality to the gospel where a person is interested in God or is following after Jesus because they want life improvement. They want their life to improve. They want their marriage to get better. 
They want to be healed. They want a financial breakthrough. Multitudes were following him. And it's the same today. Multitudes are following him. Even in this small gathering here, how many amongst us are here because we want to hear something from God in order to have our needs met? It says multitudes were following him and he turned and said to them. Now, one thing about the Lord is he's not interested in marketing strategies. You know, you've got a lot of crowd. Now's the moment. You've got loads of people. Now is the moment to give them the right pitch. Who needs a healing? Who needs a miracle? Now you can come in. And he, he says this to them. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, huh? Wife and children, brothers and sisters. What a strong word. He could have said anything. He could have said, if anyone comes to me and does not love me like his father and mother, no. Or does not love me more than his father and mother, no. He uses a very negative word. If anyone comes after me and does not hate his father and mother, this represents your most important relationship on the earth. Your first relationship on the earth is with your parents. It's supposed to be anyway. Wife and children. This represents your responsibility, the relationships that you have the responsibility for. Your family. Brothers and sisters. This represents those that you Relate with your friendships, relationships that have been built over time that are meaningful. And then, just to crown it off, and his own life also. His own life also, which is the chief priority of all of us. He cannot be my disciple. Not that I will reject you as my disciple, but that it is not possible for them to be his disciple. The issue that you have to understand is the Lord is not saying, I will not save your soul. He's saying, for you to be his disciple, your affection for him compared to these important relationships, he must be chief priority, including over your own life. How many of you want to be disciples? Wow, that's very encouraging. It sounded like a groan to me. So let me ask the question, how many of you would like to, how many of you love Jesus? How many of you, okay, wait, wait. wait. How many of you hate Jesus? How many of you love Jesus? We all love Jesus, isn't it? Even though some of you refuse to even lift your hand. I'm not lifting my hand. You still love Jesus. How many of you want to be his disciple? I think we all want to be his disciples, don't we? But this is his criteria. He must be the most important relationship. These all re refers to relationships. And he must be the most important priority. And then he says, and whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. If it's your Bible, you can underline his cross. Everybody has their own cross. Everybody has their own cross. You know, everybody has their hour of shadows or their hour where the power of darkness appears to reign supreme. And in that moment, you have to choose whether you will yield to God or whether you will yield to the power of darkness. 
there's been, over the last 33 years of walking with the Lord, there's been two occasions that I can remember that I will consider as my, my great crisis moments of faith. Everybody goes through this. Now, he says, whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. The cross represents shame, disgrace, rejection, pain, weakness, loss, ruin. The cross represents all these things and more. And every one of us has a cross to bear when we identify with Jesus. Every one of us has a cross to bear when we identify with Jesus. Everyone. The problem today is that most of us are not aware that this is a criteria to be a follower of Jesus. That we have to be willing to bear our own cross. I'm talking about the call to discipleship. So again, are you among the multitudes who are following Jesus for what they can get? Or are you one of those willing to answer his call to discipleship? Are you a disciple or are you a church attendee? You can be a member of Christian Life Fellowship and go to hell. But you cannot be a disciple of Jesus and go to hell. Yeah. You can be a member of a church. You can be a leader in a church and end up in hell. There are many of them there right now. But you cannot be a disciple of Jesus and end up in hell. It is not possible. As a church, this year, we are pursuing a vision of discipleship. That is because we are committed to making disciples. And we want to focus on three key things throughout this year. First of all, our priority to develop our members in their journey with God. One of the things that we have as a church is a discipleship program. It's core which we call Membership Discipleship Program. It's seven stages. New believer, new member, spiritual maturity, uh, ministry orientation for church workers, leadership orientation for those in leadership, and ministerial training for those who are interested to be in ministry or those who are mature or those who've gone to Bible school and want to learn how to do the work of the ministry, and then ordination for those who want to be ministers of the gospel in a formal capacity. This is a seven-stage process. And if you've been with us for about five, six, seven years, and you were really focused after that period of time, most of these things should have been built in your life. After seven years, our desire is that you are either ready to be a pillar in the house or you are ready to go out and do your work of ministry. And when you come here, it is just to strengthen you, rejuvenate you, so that you can go out there. That's our goal. And then for some, after you've been trained, the Lord will lead you on to help other ministries and other churches. That's how it is. Now, the reason why I'm saying this is this, because we as a church, or shall we say, we as an eldership and a leadership, have a responsibility to make disciples of those that God brings to our church. Not to make members of the church per se, but disciples of Jesus. And uh, you, this year, if God has joined you to us, part of your responsibility 
is to make yourself available to be equipped at whatever level of development you are. If you are just a church goer, then what I'm saying to you won't even register. But if you are serious about being a disciple of Jesus, then you will take very seriously what I'm sharing with you. You see, during my journey as a member of a church, the Lord never allowed me the privilege of going to a Bible school. I wanted to go. But he, he said no, very clearly. But what he did do is he allowed me the privilege to be trained in my local church. I am a product of a local church that trained me in a local church. So my local church trained me and everything that was in that church that our pastor had as a training program, I went in it. Whether it's cell training, whether it's for this training or that training, if it was there, Sunday school, I went. I did all the departments, children's worker. I was a very good children's minister. We used to go knocking on people's doors and I would talk to people about their children and I did all of that. I, you know, we called it Sunday school because it was on a Sunday and I guess it was a school. I was an usher. I liked ushering. I enjoyed it. It was very nice ushering. I, are you still here? I was in the sound team. Yes, I was a sound man. Very brief, but it was very nice. It's easy. Just twiddle a few things. No, really. No, no, no. Sorry, sorry. Um, I, I, I was a cell leader. I was in charge of evangelism. I, I was a youth leader. I was in charge of the youth ministry. I did all these things, not realizing that it was a process of discipleship that the Lord was taking me through. So when I started in the ministry, I was very surprised of how much I knew. I was surprised. I, I'll be honest with you. I was surprised how much I actually knew because I had been discipled in my local church. Was my local church perfect? No. In fact, some of the doctrines in my local church were heresy. But the heart of the pastor was good. The heart of the members was good. Did they get things wrong? Yes, they did. But I am a product of a local church. Are you listening to me? Now, because of that input, by the grace of God, we've been able to establish a Bible school that has trained many pastors, released many into the ministry. And what I'm trying to show you is, is this. Wherever God plants you, wherever he plants you, if you take advantage of where he has planted you, with all the mistakes where that place is, you will flourish to become what God has called you to. So important. So for us, this year, one of our key focuses is to ensure that all our members go through our discipleship program appropriate to their level of development. The second thing we want to focus on as part of our commitment to pursuing a vision of discipleship is cell ministry. Say cell ministry. Now this isn't prison. It's, it's um, house groups. All right, house groups and small group contexts where we want to focus on that as a way to develop our members. One of the things that helped me so much, so much in growing in the knowledge of God's word. Remember, I've never been to a formal Bible school. But you can test me and find out what I know. Never been to a formal Bible school. And let me tell you, there were times when I was leading a cell, I, I would have failed, as far as I'm concerned, morally. 
Now, I could tell you point blank what I did, but my children are here, and they will have a go at me afterwards for saying it. So use your imagination. And I would feel like I was the lowest of the low, but it was Tuesday, and it was time for cell meeting. And I had to teach. And the last place on earth I wanted to be was in front of those people looking at me for spiritual impartation. And then I would smile and be brave and praise the Lord, you know, God is good. I didn't use an American accent, but, you know, God is good. And, um, and I would teach, and as I'm talking, it felt like gravel. Zen is laughing because he was at some of those meetings. But when I finished, they were blessed. I couldn't wait for it to be over so that I could run away not knowing what God was building in me was fortitude, inner strength. How many of you have ever gone weight training or gone to the gym? Hey, there's not a lot of you. This is very poor. Even I've been to the gym before. <laughs> when you're doing training in the gym, sometimes there are many times there is no way you feel like it. How many of you, you always feel like it? I'm sure there's always someone. You know, when you start, you know, New Year, you, you start, I'm going to the gym, I'm going, day one, I'm going to the gym, day two, I'm going to the gym, day three, I'm going to the gym, day four, I'm resting today, day five, I'm still tired, day six, it's a bit of a ache, day seven, I have to go to the gym, day eight, what is a gym? <laughs> it's like that, but spiritually also, it's like that. I'm telling you, spiritually, it's like that. So when I was leading a cell, many times, do you hear what I said? Many, not some. Many times, I didn't want to do it. I didn't feel like doing it. I hated doing it. Are you still here? Did you hear what I said? I hated it. But I knew before God it was part of my development. But I didn't even realize how important it was. Now, you see, our goal as a church this year is that Every one of our members is committed to being a disciple in each level of their spiritual development. That's through the um, membership development or discipleship program. But then secondly, with cell, every member of our church is in a cell. Every member is in a cell. And that every leader is a cell leader. You say, what, what, what did you, sorry, <laughs> rephrase. Say to your neighbor, Every member, Every member in a cell. In a cell. Every, leader, Every leader, a cell leader. Why? Because if you are leading, and we're going to teach about leadership and so forth to help you. If you are leading people, you need to be able to disciple those that you're leading. And the cell context is the best context. So the second thing we want to focus on is that of cell ministry. To help you understand why is it important for you as part of your vision to be a disciple, to be involved? You see, when I started going to sell, it was, I was really amazed. It was really nice. It was really exciting. There was this small group. And then, you know, one of the senior associate pastors was a cell leader. And I'd go, and it was fun, and different ones would contribute, and then he would share, and we're buzzing. One day, I turned up to the cell. Everyone was there accept him. And then, you know, they said, oh, by the way, Brother Johnson says you should share the word. So I said, sure, okay. 
So I shared the word thinking, what on earth? I shared the word, whatever came to me. Then another time I went again and Brother Johnson again was not there. And they said, you're supposed to do it. And then another time he said, Joe, I won't be there. Can you take the cell? So all this time I was, I was clueless. There's no problem, I was doing it. And then one day he said, now Joe, you're the cell leader. Now, it wasn't like our day where we say, hold on, let me go and pray about it. It wasn't nothing like that. Let me go and pray. You know, some of these things. You are the cell leader, wasn't, can you be a cell leader? So I said, okay. Not knowing that this was part of the path God had for me. And we're going to teach about that to help you. I'm talking about a vision for discipleship. You can be a churchgoer or you can be a disciple. Choose. And then the third focus, only three focuses we're going to have throughout this year, is that each member disciples someone, is committed to discipling someone. We were focusing on this last year. We didn't really get much traction. So we're going to continue this year. Where by the end of this year, you as a member can say with confidence, I have discipled someone. Can you get me um, the um, Christian Discipleship Manual? A copy, please, quickly. Why is this important? So that you as a member can grow. You see, all of us are different levels of maturity. But can I say something to you? There is somebody less knowledgeable than you are that comes to church. Or somebody less knowledgeable than you are that has turned your life to Christ. I'm telling you. When I first gave my life to Jesus, I heard people talking about the Trinity. They may as well have been speaking Martian. They were talking about the Trinity. It was Roger. Roger and my pastor were talking about the Trinity. And as they were talking, I just looked at them in total awe that even such a word existed in the English vocabulary. Yeah, and the Trinity, you know, and the Trinity, and the Trinity. And I'm like, the Trinity? What on earth is the Trinity? And then the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And I'm looking, I'm like, didn't have a clue. But as I began to study, and as I was taught, and as people asked me questions, and God was so good to me, he sent me Jehovah Witnesses to challenge my faith, and Rastafarians to challenge my faith, and Mormons to challenge my faith, and atheists to challenge my faith. You see, and there was no such thing as, let me ask Pastor Joe. But as we dug into the word, we began to learn. Now, one of the things that we've done to help you is we have produced this manual here. This is a powerful manual. It's only 500 pounds. No, not really. It's only, it's only 25 pounds. It's 30 pounds at, uh, on the, when it comes live. It will be 30 pounds, but it's 25 pounds here now. It's great because it teaches all, it's what we use for our CDC course. So just because you have this manual doesn't mean you don't do CDC, by the way. Let's just be clear. 
Every one of our leaders who is serious about ministry, you have to do CDC. But this will help you to teach people things that you need to know. We cover all kinds of topics. So I want to encourage you, if you're serious about discipleship, get a copy. If you're already part of um, CLTI, if you're a student, you get another discount. It's 20 pounds for you till the end of this month. And then it's back to 25. All right. So these three things, developing our members, cell ministry, and you as a member, discipling others. It's so important. In the context of our church here, pursuing a vision of discipleship has the following applications. Number one, God's vision for your life as a disciple of Christ. God's vision for your life as a disciple of Christ. So you have to ask yourself, what is the Lord asking of me because I'm a disciple of Christ or I'm committed to being a disciple in 2016? Luke chapter 9, verse 23 to 26. Luke chapter 9, 23 to 26. Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world? and is himself destroyed or lost. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. I mean, there's so much we could unpack in these verses, but I want to say a few things here. Again, notice the Lord. If you want to come after him, if you want to be his disciple, three things you have to be willing to do on a daily basis. Deny yourself. Say to your neighbor, deny yourself. Why? Because the way of Christ, of discipleship, goes against self. It goes against self. It is not something that, naturally speaking, you will embrace. I mean, not being funny. What normal, healthy, young person will naturally be inclined to say no to their sexual appetite? It's not normal. Are you listening to me? Uh, look at you. It's not normal. To, to say to yourself as a normal, growing, young person of 50, <laughs> that, no, I'm going to say no to something that appeals to my natural senses. It's not normal. But if you want to be his disciple, you have to be willing to deny yourself. It has to be part and parcel. Secondly, he says, take up your cross. Now, it's not just, you know, um, bear your cross. You have to now look to take it up. In other words, you are willing to look for opportunities that results in shame, in disgrace, in loss, in ruin because of your identity with Christ. And then he says, follow me. Following Jesus means 
you go wherever he leads. And again, sometimes it's very scary. It's very scary. Are you still willing to embrace the call of discipleship? I noticed there was just a few yes. The rest of you said, now let me count the cost. Not so sure. Secondly, a vision for discipleship means that we embrace the vision of God to make disciples for our local church. In other words, what do we want to be as a church in the community that shows the community that we are his disciples? What do we want to be and what do we want to do that shows our immediate community that we are disciples of Jesus? Now, your community, in one sense, starts with your family. There's nothing more off-putting and tragic than a member of a church after a church service goes home and misbehaves completely before their unsafe family. Oh, I just came from church. Why are you troubling me? I'm trying to focus on being a disciple. What do you mean I have to clean it? Clean up? I never made up this mess. The pastor says I have to be a disciple and you are troubling me with cleaning up things. Come on, leave me alone, mom. Leave me alone. What a shock. You know, you know, you just come from church and you say, Look, your, your girlfriend, you say to your girlfriend, look, I've just come from church. The message was very powerful. So just before we, 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 we make love, just let me just meditate on. <laughs> you think what I'm saying is far-fetched? You'll be surprised. I have to tell you as it is proper because I know how some of us behave. Wait, 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 I just came from church. Wait, 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 I just came from church. Let me just watch this thing before we pray. Let me just watch this. Whew, look at that scene, that sex scene. But honestly, one of the things that will show our community that we are real disciples of Jesus is not so much all the social action work we do, as important as that is. Look at what he says. John 13, verse 35. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. You see, this is why the cell group ministry is so important. Because it gives you the opportunity to demonstrate love to specific people. It's easy to say, I love everybody. How is that even physically possible? I love everybody. You cannot love outside of a context where you don't know the people. And love will always cause pain over time. You know, the majority of the commands of the New Testament cannot be obeyed outside the context of relationship with other people. And the Lord says, by this, all men will know you are my disciples when you have love one for another. Today, you hear people are so proud to say, there's no love in the church. There's no love in the church. You, you opening your mouth, you. 
Where is your love? You opening your mouth. When you say there is no love in the church, what do you mean exactly? Have you judged yourself? You know, people open your mouth and say all kinds of things. As a pastor, we hear all kinds of things. They'll come and say all kinds of things. This church doesn't care. What they mean is they wanted money from the church and the church said no. This church, nobody visits you. Nobody cares about you. What they mean is they've isolated themselves for weeks. Nobody, when everybody tries to reach them, they don't want them to talk to them. After three months that we've now forgotten about you, you would like us to call you because you're the center of our universe. You're not. Sorry. No, it doesn't work like that. I have stopped worrying about people getting upset by something that I say or do that I didn't mean deliberately. Now, the things that I deliberately say and do, and sometimes I can be very naughty, as Fuller will tell you, I can just say, say, say something silly and do something. My children will testify. I can say something and then I have to go back to them and say, you know, I'm sorry, I said it, it was wrong. Those things I feel very bad about. But where I genuinely said, hello, John, and your name isn't John, it's Jim. And you got upset that after being in this church for five years, he calls me John. When my name is Jim. Seriously? I'm sorry. I am not God. I don't have omniscience. I am sorry that you're upset. I didn't mean to call you John when your name is Jim. And if because of that, you have disowned me, I pray the Lord will bless you and have mercy on you. But I will not, no word of a lie, worry about such things. And you shouldn't either. When people accuse the church, the church has no love, the church is this, and they, they slate us off. Honestly, I just listen. These days when they're doing it, I just listen. And when they finish, I say, okay, fine. Do you need anything else? I say, okay, so let's close in prayer. <laughs> no, I'm not even joking. Let's close in prayer. What can I do? I'm not God. After all, you've just told me how rubbish we all are. And I'm the pastor, you know. No, you're okay, but the rest of the church... I mean, I'm the pastor. You've slated us off. So, okay, fine. Let's close the prayer. Lord, bless so-and-so. I'm Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> Let me look for someone else who doesn't mind my little foolish ways of helping people. And move on. So you can't be worried about what people are saying about you. However, when we show love to each other, unconditional kindness, unconditional goodness, unconditionally welcoming each other, welcoming each other, being sensitive to each other, genuinely trying to help each other. We may make mistakes along the way, but you're genuinely trying to help each other. And people see that who don't know Jesus. They say, man, this guy's a real Christian. I pray that will be your testimony in Jesus' name. Yeah. But you can't be worried about, you know, so-and-so hasn't been to church for how long? Has anybody visited them? Listen. 33 years I've walked with the Lord. I was a member of a church for 12 years. Not one physical visitation did I ever get from my local church, except the one person I was discipling. No phone call, no letter, nothing. So, honestly, look, we will do our best to help people. We must love people. We must help people. We must reach out to people. We must do our best to care for people. But you must not be judged by the opinions of other people about the church. You can't. Because if you do that, 
what's going to happen is you become, a sna- you become snared by the opinions of men and not by the leading of the Holy Spirit. You hearing me? So you must always love people. I love counseling people. I love talking to people. I love listening to people's problems. But when I give you advice, and I realize that after I've given you advice, you're set on doing something, I just bless you and move on. And I'll be praying for you. I hold you up in prayer. Like I'll be praying for you periodically as you come to my heart. I pray for you. Once somebody was leaving our church and they said, uh, but you can call me. I said, honestly, I won't be calling you. I, I just, let's be clear. I won't be calling you. But I will pray for you as the Lord lays you on my heart. That's the most I can give you. But I'm not going to call you. I've got so many other people to call who are already here. You've said you're leaving. Why would I call you? You're not my responsibility anymore. You belong to Jesus. Amen. Look at you looking at me like I'm weird. No. Don't be ruled by others' opinions. But love unconditionally. But also love lets go. So, as a pastor, I am willing to let go. As a father, I am willing to let go. Even as a husband, I am willing to let go. I know this with my wife. If I turn around and say to her, wife, you know, I'm in love with another woman. Because she'll be devastated, she'll be hurt. But she won't say, oh, Joe, please stay, please stay. She won't do that. You're in love with another woman. Mind you, I might get something more than just that. And then God's vision for the body of Christ, what he expects of us. In the next um, 10 minutes before I close, we know that God's heart is for the church to make disciples. The body of Christ at large, of Jesus, is to make, he wants us to make disciples. All the other stuff that we are so busy about, whether it's obtaining real estate, which is good, whether it's in investing in the stock market, which is good, whether it's in whatever scheme that we like to be involved in the body of Christ at large, being recognized by the establishment that we are relevant, all those things, if it's not translating into discipling people, it's a waste of time. I'm telling you, it has no eternal significance whatsoever. Because all those things can be done by the pagans. Anything that the world can emulate means that it is not what the Spirit is doing. If what we are doing, the world can do it. If what we are saying, the world can say it. If how we are living, the world can live it. Then it's not born of God. It's not. Whether we work in the marketplace or in the church, if the techniques we're using, the world can use and get exactly the same results in the human heart as we're getting, then it is not of God. It's of the world. You can sing, and your singing is touching the hearts of men. Or you can sing, and your singing is just stimulating the emotions. You can teach and preach, and your preaching stimulates people's think intellect. Or you can preach and teach, and your preaching and teaching 
transforms people's lives in their, from their spirit. So always you should look at what you are doing. Whether it's in the marketplace or in the church, am I a disciple of Jesus? Or am I just doing things for doing its sake? Beloved, we are called to make disciples. Say to your neighbor, you're called to make disciples. I want to conclude with the test of a disciple. First of all, the test of a disciple is that they love God wholeheartedly and without compromise. Mark chapter 12, verses 28 to 31 teaches this. A disciple loves God wholeheartedly and without compromise. Secondly, a disciple must enter the kingdom through much tribulation. I want you to write it down. A disciple must enter the kingdom through much tribulation. Look at Acts chapter 14, verses 21 and 22. This is how the church started. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystria, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, and saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. How often do you hear that? You must through many tribulations. The word tribulation means pressure, hardship. Pressure, hardship. That's how you enter God's kingdom. Not with the, the, the nice music in the background. Ooh, and the lovely glitz. And, and those things are, are nice. They, they're nice to stimulate, but they don't change us. I'm telling you, that is the proper gospel. The proper gospel has a lot of, I'm sorry to say this, negativity to it. Yeah, it's because it, it, it kills the flesh. You know, this message is hard. Oh, those kind of silly things. This message is hard. This is when, when Jesus started to talk about what it means to follow him. What was this response? This is a hard saying. Who can bear it? That's what they said. Discipleship is not attractive. It's not. It is the narrow road, the difficult way. It is not appealing. And they were strengthening the disciples and encouraging or exhorting them, saying, listen, if you want God's rule, you have to be willing to go through pressure. If you want God's rule, you have to be willing to go through pressure. If you want God's rule, you have to be willing to go through pressure. The problem I see is that people want the results, the glory, without the tribulation. So we have these things where we present a glorious image to people. Say they see the glory, but we don't tell them to get to that glory. You have to go through much pressure. Are you still here? Let's stop there because of time. Help me with the time. Yeah, let's stop there. I want to stop there. The rest of my notes 
the outlines are given out, so the, it comes out in the bulletin, so you can look at it. I'm not going to continue on this next week. I'm going to press on to something else. So I want us to pray. I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes. We've talked a lot about the call to discipleship. And I've painted a very challenging and difficult picture. I have not painted a glorious picture. I have not painted an attractive picture. Now what I want to ask you is, are you willing to answer the call to be his disciple in 2015? Hearing everything that I have said. Because you might be happy to remain a church goer and not a disciple. 